0: Hey, welcome to the Behind the Screen Podcast. I'm Andy Benoit, my good friend from NFL Films, Greg Cosell. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Greg, how's it going? Andy, it's
1: going awesome. Another week, you know, grinding away on tape. You know, uh, there's been a lot
0: of fun tape to watch, I think.
1: A lot of cool stuff. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: Well, I was excited because you texted me this week. I feel like I'm always the one reaching out, Greg. Right, right, right. You texted me about an idea of what to talk about for this week, and I was all on board because I I watched the same thing you had this time, and I I, I think we're going to see a lot of things the same way, and I think we're both interested in the topic. Do you want to reveal what it was you texted to me?
1: Yeah, I texted you about the Lions' defense. We know that the Lions' offense is talked about a lot. You and I are both big Ben Johnson fans based on tape study. We love what he does in the pass game. I think he does a really good job in the run game as well, but – You know, we both love their offense and that's what's mostly talked about, particularly since Jared Goff has played such good football over the last, you know, last 10 games or so last year and through the early part of this year. But to me, what's really stood out has been the evolution of a young defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, because last year, Aaron Glenn started out the season. You know, he has an aggressive mindset. He wanted to play a lot of man coverage, a lot of blitz. And you saw that they got burned a lot. They just didn't have the personnel to play that way. But he was learning and he kept playing that way. And later in the season, he started to make some minor adjustments. But, you know, overall, that's the way he played. And then through an offseason, obviously, maybe through his own study and reflection and talking to others, Um, Because he was a great player in the league for a long time, former first round pick as a DB. This year, you watch that defense. It's almost heavy zone, man in some situations. And I love what they're doing with their fronts, the way they're moving people around. They have Jack Campbell, the rookie from Iowa, number 46, 6'5". He's lining up as a linebacker. He's lining up on the edge as a pass rusher. They're starting to move Hutchinson around, Aiden Hutchinson, as a joker. So he's not just a defensive end. He might line up as a three technique in their sub front. He might stand up and just kind of move around behind the line of scrimmage. You know, he's doing so much more, and I just love seeing the evolution of him, Aaron Glenn, as a coordinator and the defense in what they are doing tactically.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because, you know, when they lost James Houston, who is a guy you don't hear about, but in my opinion, he is their best. Well, Hutchinson's probably their best. Houston is a very good pure edge bender in my opinion. They don't have a lot of pass rush firepower. Hutchinson's long. He's twitchy. He's probably a, a first rate player behind that, though they almost have to manufacture their pass rush with their fronts. And when they lost Houston, I was really interested to see how will they do that? Because I don't think they can just line up and play and you, you would line up and rush the passer, I should right, say. Yeah, right. And right. you know, you point out Jack Campbell starts lining up on the line of scrimmage. John Kaminsky's become a little bit of a part of what they yes. do. And these guys aren't big time players as pass rushers in and of themselves, but for a lot of little reasons, it seems like it's working as a collective unit. And some of those fronts, I mean, he had some three-down fronts against Green Bay where it's a guy over the nose and then two wide nines, and he's using eight bodies in coverage. That, that to me, is almost a variation of a pass-rushing tactic as well because you're just impacting the quarterback uh, with a passive approach, if you will.
1: It's a great point. They're, and they started to play this week some – some three-three-five nickel, where there's just three down linemen on the field, three linebackers, because Campbell can line up anywhere. By the way, so yeah. can Barnes, number fifty-five. People yeah. may not know this, but you know, as you know, I do a lot of college work as well. Barnes came out of Purdue, where in his next-to-last year in college, he was a pure edge player, and then they moved him to stacked linebacker his last year, so he was essentially drafted as a stacked linebacker but he had edge pass rushing experience. They used him in that role as well. And by the way, I think that year at Purdue, when he was an edge pass rusher, he had 11 or 12 sacks. So, you know, they have a lot of these interchangeable parts now on defense. Uh, and and I loved Jack Campbell coming out of Iowa. I thought he was going to be a really good player. He's not quite Luke Keekly in the way he moves, but he's that size. And, you know, there's not a lot of six, five linebackers with that kind of length that he has. So, You know, now he's seeing the moving parts, and I think when you can do a lot of that, you made a great point. You don't necessarily have to rush five or six, just the different looks and and who may come, who may not come, and you end up rushing three, and sometimes it can have the same effect in speeding up the quarterback as when you rush five or six.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Did you, did you, I, what did you think of Campbell? If I told you when you were evaluating Campbell or let's say right as you got done evaluating Campbell for the draft, Hey, he might line up on the line of scrimmage and sub packages at times. What would your reaction have been? I remember thinking that he
1: could do that. Um, and that's something that he might be able to do in the NFL. Um, I don't recall whether he did a ton of that in college. i um, in fact, as we're talking, I'm going to pull out my, uh, evaluation and see if he did do that um, at all in college, because I always make a note of how players are deployed in college because um, let's see. So he was just, uh, let's see. So what he did is in in college, he aligned almost exclusively as a stacked Mike linebacker, but there Mm -hmm. were significant third down and selective long yardage snaps um, in which he uh, aligned in the a and B gaps on the
0: ball, but not on the edge. Okay, gotcha. So he walking up to dictate five down protection. Right, that kind right, of stuff. right. Yeah, but, I gotcha.
1: But he was just a real, I mean, he was a really good player at Iowa. And, um, you know, just his, I mean, six, his combine numbers were off the chart. Six, five, 249, four, six, five, uh, 40, which surprised a lot of people. Um, his 10-yard split was really good. His vertical was almost 38 inches. And I think that kind of athleticism really
0: did take a lot of people by surprise. So, you know, another guy, while we're talking Lions, linebackers, we hit on Barnes, we hit on Campbell. To me, tell me if you agree, when when Alex Anzalone uh, is playing fast, you look at him, you think he's as, he's as good as maybe all but five or six linebackers in the league when he's playing fast and, and loose and anticipating. <laughs> and I, 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 do you see him that way? Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned Anzalone. I feel badly that I didn't. I'm
1: glad you did. Because I think, first of all, Anzalone pretty much is their three-down backer. He, you know, he doesn't come off the field very often at all. Um, you yeah. Know, in some ways, he's their version of Demario
0: Davis. Um, that's a great. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, he's a different yeah. player to some degree, a lot of degree, but that's a good. Yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying there.
1: He's a really good athlete. He's a Pennsylvania kid. He was a big-time recruit to the University of Florida. Um, unfortunately, he got hurt a lot in college. Uh, But everybody saw the size and the athleticism because he's also big. Um, And he has been a glue even last year when their defense went through the struggles. He's, he might be the glue to that entire defense, you know, because he plays, like I said, I would bet he plays 90% of the defensive snaps um, and he can do pretty much everything. Um, He's a really good pass coverage defender. He's got sideline to sideline play speed and range. Uh, He blitzes on occasion. He's just a really good football player. I, I think your point about him being at his best, a top five or six, you know, sort of full
0: service backer is is
1: right on the money.
0: Yeah. So I had Cody Swartz, my research extraordinaire, do some kind of break down the Lions. And I, I wanted him to break them down. Because remember last year, Greg, some of these changes we're talking about with Aaron Glenn, they happened on the fly last yep. year. He, he instituted some of these mid season. And then they've kind of polished them and taken them to another yep. level this year because remember they started out giving up record ah. numbers of yards. And it was like, Aaron Glenn, is he going to make it through the season? They're going to fire him. Yep. And I thought they did some great adjustments. They obviously we very successful in the second half of the season. Yep. So he's, he's basically adjusted the defensive identity on the fly. And then he has built on that in the next year, but the big one. So you mentioned the, the, the cover one or the man coverage, Overall, let's see what Cody had here. They don't play a lot
1: of cover one this year.
0: Nope, they don't. Their their cover one rate overall this season on on past situations, so predominantly third down, some two-minute, they've been 28% cover one, which is 15th in the league. A year ago, they were basically 46%, which was first in the league. And I
1: would bet through the first seven or eight weeks, they were probably close to number one in the league.
0: Yeah, well, they were, they were, yes, so they were number one overall, we're saying, and then they were number one by probably a pretty good margin those first few weeks. I mean, they're playing a lot of cover three this year, a lot of cover three. They are, and the other thing they did, they lined up in quarters a lot, starting with that yes. game yeah, against Kansas yes. City, and I was interested, is that just a Kansas City thing, you know, or is that a, a week one thing? And And they've kind of gone back and forth with it a little bit. Um, the other thing, Greg, is their cover one rates, we talk about man coverage on early downs and how vulnerable that can leave you defensively sometimes. Gives you some answers for some things, too, as you know. But, right. you know, your run defense gets a little wobbly in certain scenarios. They were, last season, 25% cover one on on normal down and distance, outside the red zone, first and second down. Right. Since in week 17, he started to make the change, at least according to how Cody broke it up here. They're now down to 25th on normal down the it's almost
1: been it's almost been a total role reversal with Aaron Glenn and 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 again it's 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 self-scouting it's probably you know just learning as a defensive coach because he's you know last year was his first year as a coordinator I
0: believe was it his first
1: year or second year
0: Um, yeah he was 2021 was his first year as the Lions coordinator last year Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah Um, But keep in mind, he was with the the Saints as their defensive backs coach for a long time. Well, five years, 2016 to 2020. One thing about the Saints, as you know, Greg, I know you've got a a rapport with Dennis Allen. Allen wasn't there all this time. Right. Uh, But, you know, the Saints shuffle through a lot of different schemes really well, I've always thought. Like if you said, what's the Saints' identity? I don't know if I could pinpoint one thing, and that would be a compliment in this case We've seen that a little bit. I was curious, like what Ryan Nielsen, their D-line coach, who's now the Atlanta D-coordinator, what will Ryan Nielsen do schematically? Because these guys that come from the Saints, I think they've been exposed to a a lot of of. different schemes and variables.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. I mean, the one thing I would probably say about um, uh, Dennis Allen is they do play – a pretty good percentage of two man coverage more so than a lot of teams in the league. And in fact, the Falcons are doing the same thing this year under Ryan Nielsen, you know, and and the Falcons do not have that one great edge pass rusher, you know, their defense actually, you know, everybody focuses on Desmond Ritter and the problems he's having at quarterback, but their defense has actually been very good. And A.J. Terrell is one of the better man corners in the league. And they use him as a matchup corner quite a bit. And he's a really good player. Um, But they don't have that one pass rusher. But they're playing a lot of two-man coverage, uh, which is kind of a Dennis Allen
0: staple as well. Yeah, and you've made a great point a few weeks ago when we were talking about how it's – I can't remember if we were on the podcast or just you and me talking, but how with with the Saints – you can't always tell if they're in two man or kind of a form of rover because the way they stagger their safeties depths and kind of cheat a safety it's here, it's kind and there, of blurred. It's kind of blurred. They blur yeah. They do yeah. blur it. And by the way, I said Glenn was not with Dennis Allen all that time. I was wrong. He was Dennis Allen has been with the Saints on his second stint with them since yep. 2015. Yep. That, that, it feels to me sometimes like he just got back there a few years ago. He's been. No, back I kind of knew that just because I know the situation. But
1: yeah, I mean, to me. You know, it's funny. One thing that I, I – when I speak to offensive coordinators in the offseason, one of the questions I've started to ask over the last couple of years is, what defensive coordinators give you the most trouble and why? And, you know, you usually get good answers. You know, I know you – obviously you worked for a team, but before that you would talk to a lot of coaches offseason, combine. And Dennis Allen's name always came up. And Dennis Allen is, is really respected by offensive coaches around the league For his defense. And I think one of the reasons is your point, because, you know, does every coach have certain staples? Yes. But you'd be hard pressed to say, this is what Dennis Allen does. And you're going to see this, you know, all the time. He does a lot of different things. I love the way Dennis Allen uses his, his fire zone pressures and the way then he matches up to routes because those kinds of matches are not man matches. They're sort of, zone matches based on releases. You know, some like let's say it's trips to one side, Andy. You know, mm-hmm. somebody runs to number 2, somebody runs to number 3. So they're matching, but they're not playing man coverage the way people think of man coverage.
0: Correct, yeah. And then it's it gets into the philosophy of what kind of players you need in order to do that. Do you hide Correct. guys? Is that one-on-one type of players? And right. a lot yeah. of that one thing that alan has had in it, that they have uh in atlanta with aj terrell is that corner that you can trust on an island do you think yeah. detroit i know they invested a lot emmanuel mosley hasn't been out there yet cameron no. sutton has been you know they paid a decent amount for him do you see their secondary i guess brian branch you know the if if healthy is this a secondary like, it, it, will they maybe get back to man when they're at full force you think? Um, that's a great question i mean um
1: You know, Mosley came from the 49ers who were not a pure man coverage team, as you know. So obviously, you know, it's not as if Mosley is the kind of corner you say, okay, we have Mosley back now. Now we're going to line up and play a ton of man. Same with with Cam Sutton, who was, in fact, used in the slot quite a bit in Pittsburgh. Um, I actually think Jacobs, who's now starting until I assume Mosley comes back. I guess we'll see how that plays
0: out. But I thought last year, Jacobs actually played very well. Um, I've thought I mean, I've thought that about him a lot of times. I, I, yeah. He's one of those guys, when he gets in the lineup, he's almost like, yeah, when he gets in the lineup, he consistently seems to overachieve. I, I've been a big Jerry Jacobs guy. He's, yeah, you know, no, he's almost Jacobs like the Josh, Josh Bynes of cornerbacks almost. Like he's one yeah, of those, sign yeah, him, Jerry, and then a week later, he's your best corner somehow.
1: Yeah, Jerry Jacobs has played well. And so, again, we don't know if he'll up his – Man frequency once uh, he gets Mosley back, but Mosley is not a pure man corner based on his history um Brian Branch, you mentioned him, one of my favorite players coming out of this draft, and he played at Alabama, he played safety in their base, slot in their sub he's the slot corner for um the lions. He is as and and you have to watch the tape to see this. These are words that maybe don't mean a lot to people but He is so savvy, so aware, sees things so quickly. One reason I think he got out of the first round is because he didn't test really well at the Combine. So his athletic testing measurables, you know, you didn't go, wow. You almost went, oh, I wish they were better. But he's just, again, to be cliched, he's just a really, really good football player. And what really stood out at Alabama, you rarely talk about this these days, he is a great tackler. Uh, and and that, you know, that's kind of a lost art. And he's just a great tackler. And he has a great understanding of angles
0: and leverage. He's going to be a really good player. So they got a guy like Branch who just outlined him. You know, it's unfortunate that Gardner Johnson got injured, but he's another guy, multi-positional, yep. pretty reliable tackler, physical defender. Cam Sutton is a multi-positional guy, really in Pittsburgh. As you said, he played inside and outside in various it. packages too, as diamond, dime, dime was where he was really most versatile. And then Will Harris, people forget, I believe he was a safety at the front of his career. He's been a slot corner lately, but they've got basically four guys. And Tracy Walker, I thought could be a fifth guy years ago. I think he's more probably just a free safety now. That's but what he four is. to five, what's that? That's what he is for them. Yes, yeah. but the point is they've got four to five guys that are kind of slot safety versatile. It, which I wonder if that's that can't be by accident. I mean, they the Lions are sitting here wondering how they can continue to scheme. I would imagine,
1: and I'm sure that that's you know, they've got because of that versatility on the back end, they're probably thinking about you know, more things to do with smart players. You know, you know, Mosley obviously coming from San Francisco and he plays. He's got smarts to him. You know, Sutton was in Pittsburgh, I would imagine, since he was multi-positional in a defense that did a number of things. He probably has great awareness. Um, I Um Branch is certainly that guy. You know, even the linebacker position, Anzalone is that guy. Yeah. Campbell is that guy. So they've got a lot of those kinds of players that you can move around. Uh, don't forget coaches don't put players in different positions unless they feel they can trust them in different positions. So that's the bottom line. So if they're putting guys in different positions, they feel comfortable that what they spend 18 hours a day during the season working on will
0: be executed correctly in the games. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think Hutchinson's a tier one defensive lineman? Um, I, I, That's a great question. Um,
1: I don't think Hutchinson is a pure pass rusher in the sense that he's just, you know, like I don't think as an edge pass rusher, he's a bendy player, a flexible player. I think he's a strong on contact player. I think he's a relentless player. Um, They use him a lot inside where I think he's effective as well, you know, working against guards. Um, But if if you're talking about him, you know, matched up against the the big time edge pass rushers. I don't think I put him in that category, but I think he's a really good player.
0: Yeah, I think as a pass rusher, I see him as a three technique more than an edge guy. Yeah, I I think do too. That was what concerned me with James Houston going down is, okay, they are not particularly talented at defensive end. Do they move Hutchinson over there? And now they're basically weaker in two areas. They've lost Houston and they're what in my opinion a stud three technique as a pure pass rusher is no longer playing three technique. And it looks like they're trying to find a way to keep him inside. That's probably why we see some of those linebackers walking up on the edges now. Hutchinson's he's he is long. Is he a long he looks long to me he's about he six five. Long? Yeah. Yeah, he's big. Yeah.
1: yeah, and he plays again, it sounds cliched, but he just plays with a certain level of competitiveness and intensity and passion that, you know, you wish everybody played with all the time. He's just one of those guys.
0: He was, uh, I can't decide whether I'm going to tell, cause I've already started it. So you know how I don't tune into the draft until about two months before the draft. Right, process. right, right. I'm, not a draft <laughs> yeah, I'm a
1: little different Ever- than you are in that regard. Yeah. yeah.
0: You study the draft. I do other projects in the off season, looking at trends and stuff like that. But I, I went to a physical therapist for a while in Los Angeles and there was another dude in there that was always – he was the other guy the guy was working on. It was me and him. He was kind of going back and forth. And I could tell the way they were talking, like, oh, this guy is a football player. I could tell by looking at him, but, oh, he's in the draft. He's going to be – let me see if I can figure out who it is. And I Google NFL draft, and it was his picture, right, when I all I did was Google draft because it was Aiden Hutchinson was the guy in the physical Oh, therapy. wow. Yeah. So that's how – and that's I thought, all right, that's – maybe I need to start reviewing the draft now that I'm sitting here at the best guy in the room and didn't even know who he was yet.
1: Yeah. Well, he's, you know, I think the the lions to me overall are a really interesting team because, you know, we know about their offense. Uh, They're getting Jamison Williams back. So that's going to add another dimension. He may not be a high volume target, but he can take, take the top off the defense and clearly he'll be used in that fashion. Um, you know Ben Johnson is really good with route design, route combinations. So Williams will become a factor, even if he only gets four or five targets a game, uh, particularly early on. Um, but they're just they're one
0: to me one of the most intriguing teams now going forward for me to look at every week. Yeah, and it's good they were so hyped, and they're they're fulfilling the hype and entertainment and quality of, of play. Hard left turn here, Greg. So we're talking Lions defense, how well coached they are. I have a tough time thinking of a defense that looks better coached year over year and game to game than Buffalo when they're playing really well. I assume you watched the Miami film. Oh, yes. And i on watching that. I thought that was a great looking Buffalo Bills. They played within their identity and tailored it to Miami. And we can get into some of the details. What was What was your overall 30,000 foot takeaway, I guess. I love what you just just said. Bill's defense.
1: Yeah. I loved what you just said, because I think a lot of people after that game expected that the bills did something that was revolutionary and earth shattering. And you (laughs) hit it right on the head, Andy. They played within who they are and just had a few tweaks that fit the opponent. And, you know, that, to me, is, is what great coaching is because you can't change your defense in a week. And, you know, first of all, Sean McDermott's not that kind of guy. He's stable with his defensive principles and his approach. But I think the, the overall way in which they play defense is kind of tailored to how you want to defend the Dolphins' offense anyway because they play a lot of split safety which is what you want to do. You don't want to play single high. You need to play split safety. You need to be able to rush the quarterback with four. That's essentially who they are. Now, they run a lot of sim pressures. So for people to understand what that means, that means you bring a second or third level defender as a fourth rusher and you drop out a defensive lineman. So it's still a four-man rush and you still have seven in coverage. So you're not compromising any part of your coverage. Um, Yeah, but... their defensive identity fits the way to defend the Miami Dolphins. So they didn't have to step out of their identity and work on anything in practice that was brand new to the players and that would require the players to step outside in a sense of their comfort zone.
0: Yeah, because they line up, like you said, in those split safety looks, which puts presence in the middle of the field between the numbers, right in that area where Miami throws those play-action strike routes, Gives you some answers if they want to try to get more vertical on you. And the the thing that I thought, two things, I guess, Greg. One, I, they don't blitz a lot, and their simulated pressures they definitely do that. They they never have as big a numbers in, in terms of volume of it as I think. Right. They just are so efficient when they do it. It feels like they're doing it every play almost. Yeah, right. They, they. I don't think there's a better team out there for understanding opponents' protections each week, and then tailoring the pass rush and just little simple ways that exploit those protections. I, I think Buffalo's the best in the league at it. And it has been for a long time.
1: Yeah. And I thought that their linebackers, Milano and uh, Bernard, who's a yeah. first year starter this year really had a good feel. And I think Milano is one of the best linebackers in the league. I do a show in Buffalo. I've been doing a show in Buffalo for years and years and three years ago. I told him that Matt Milano was one of the best linebackers in the league when no one was talking about him. Because, of course, doing the show in Buffalo, I I watched the Bills tape every single week. And I noticed Milano, you know, three years ago, and no one was talking about him. And now all of a sudden people think he's one of the best linebackers in the league, which he is. Um, But I think Milano and Bernard had such a good understanding of just where to be to get in passing lanes. And again, it wasn't as if it was revolutionary or they had a step way outside of what they normally do. It was just understanding. And and you know how that comes about. That comes about from understanding receiver splits, the routes that are run from receiver splits. It's all based on on, on tendencies, probabilities, understanding those kinds of things. I remember years ago, I had the opportunity to speak to Ed Reed on the telephone when he was still playing for the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, a Hall of Fame safety, one of the best ever. And I remember Ed Reed telling me that he knew from his deep safety, because he was a pretty much a pure post safety, maybe the best yeah. post safety ever. Um, and he said, I know when I'm back there, when I look at the receiver distribution, two by two, three by one, where they're lined up and who's lined up where he says, I know what the routes are going to be. You know, he says, I know that. I know that before the ball snapped. Yeah. You know, And you know, I, I'm not saying that the bills knew, you know, no one knows it a hundred percent of the time, but you know, I got this sense that the bills had a really, really good feel for that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and with Miami, the 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 wrinkle to the equation you just l- laid out distribution of receivers personnel location splits all that stuff is they add motion to it and it felt like Buffalo had a really good preparation and understanding of what Miami's motions were about and there were a lot of instances where they reacted to the motion early or right as almost like the what Miami basically does is start the play one second early and the defense doesn't always realize that and that's what the motions do. Buffalo seemed to realize that, and I thought there were other instances. Tyreek Hill in that wing alignment that he's been in lately. Where when he, he really does motioned, that short burst motion outside? Correct, yeah. He'd be yeah. just that, that motion burst right out. It was the same as a jet, but he just never crossed a formation. Right, basically. right. They yeah, weren't bothered by that at all. They weren't. And one thing they realized, I think, is they're dangerous in 21 personnel when they do that in Miami, and if Hill's going to line up there the formation's going to be close to the boundary a lot of the time and so there were instances you could see where the corner to the boundary which is often TreDavious White unfortunately they lost him in that yes. game uh, but the corner to the boundary watches Hill and if Hill exits the other way the corner blitz cuz there's no vertical threat to the boundary right now if you come across they play cover 2 over there they had right. answers built into the system for what Miami was going to do with their motions and it got to—I don't know, Greg, how you felt, but I—I I felt almost like I forgot about Miami's motions watching the film. Like they weren't a huge factor in the game. I—I I, I couldn't agree
1: more. I—I—I I, I would go through and I get through seven, eight plays, and I think, were they in motion on those plays? You know, <laughs> yeah. 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 And well, the other thing, and I learned this from a defensive coach um, who used to come watch tape with me, Rod Rust, who passed away years ago, but he coached in the NFL for years and years and years, and he's considered the pioneer of quarters coverage. And one thing he told me, one reason he loved quarters coverage is he said, it balances your coverage. You don't have to change the strength of your coverage in response to what the, the offense does because it's a balanced coverage. So, you know, if you're playing single high and you have a strong safety on one side and a linebacker on the other, you know, you may you may want to make an adjustment, you know, depending on the offense because hey, you might not want your linebacker dealing with, you know, what's happening on one side of the formation if they go in motion, but in a balanced yeah. in a in a quarters look, in a split safety look and you certainly know this because of where you were with the Rams and Raheem Morris. You don't really have to change your defense and your coverage rules much at all in response to motion, even if it's across the formation.
0: Yeah, no, I was watching the the Browns Ravens film earlier today. And the Ravens, as you know, motion a lot. And the Browns often were spinning the safety. So if the slot receiver goes in motion, the safety is coming down to pick up the motion on the other side, and the slot corner was Newsome in this game back healthy. He runs back and takes the safety spot. By the end of the game, there were snaps where they were putting Newsom at the post safety position to start with. I assume that's because they realize he's winding up there. If we start right. him there, maybe we get him back down as the guy picking up the motion. You know, just the complications of it, that, that motion can present to your single high you, defenses at times. You
1: don't want to be no matter how many veterans you might have on your defense. Uh And, you know, some of us thought with Jordan Poyer out that this could be a concern for the Bills because Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are both veteran safeties who have played together for a lot of years. And in fact, watching that tape, you probably noticed how Hyde was pretty much dictating from the back end everything they were doing because he would talk to people literally on every snap. Um, and
0: yeah, and he was, he was playing to the boundary a lot in that game yes, as well. He played the boundary yeah, safety in uh, that one a lot.
1: But what, one thing is a defense, in my view anyway, you know, again, I'm not a coach, but in my view is you don't want to get caught up in having to make adjustments and communicate and have two, three guys move every time the offense moves because that, to me, just increases the, the probability that someone is late to get somewhere, there's a mistake You know, you want to have that all buttoned up. You don't want to go into a game to me with a team like the Dolphins and feel like, well, if they run this motion, we're going to do this. And if they run this motion, then we have to change and do this. But if they run this motion, then we're going to do this. You don't want to get caught up in that. You know, you want to feel like, you know, we're lined up. We can play. We don't have to react to all that stuff
0: that, that we have our answers built in to our alignment I would love to ask McDermott for this game because with Miami, because they do such unique dynamic motions out of unusual spots. I think you're right. You want to have kind of a stable, broad approach to the motion, but there are certain ones like that Tyreek Hill wing motion where they blitz the closed formation. Right, opposite right. It. There are going to be certain motions that you're probably going to want to have a little bit of a specific plan for. And, And you know what? My question is how many can you how many can you load onto your players? How many motions can you have a specific plan for in a given game? That's the point. Is it's okay to
1: say, hey, they run this specific motion, this will be our answer. But I don't think you can do that with four different motions. Because I think that's too much of a burden on your players.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 the the question then is okay, if, if it's too much of a burden, then how do we how do we build in a response for motion without making ourselves predictable, too? Because keep in mind, that's part of the motion is the offense is trying to dictate where the defenders go or what the defenders do. And if they know how you're going to react to the motion every time, it doesn't mean you can't play defense. You know, Playing defense is play that way. But, you know, you don't necessarily want them controlling you with the motion that much either.
1: And it reminds me of something that you told me in a conversation you had with Gus Bradley. It's, it's a totally different Theme, so to speak, but it is part of the same theme, is that, you know, we all know that Gus Bradley plays cover three. Some of us might think he plays cover three too much. You know, there's some people who think that. But one thing about playing a specific way is you know where your weakness is and you have your answers to that. You know, Mm -hmm. so if you line up, even if it seems like you're somewhat static, you know, and at least you've coached all week. Hey, we're going to play this way. And here's where we think we might be weak. And the the offensive coaches on the other, on the opponent will know that, but we have our answers built into that. So we're not going to get burned by that, even though theoretically that might be a weakness in this particular coverage, whether it's cover four, quarter, quarter, half, cover two, whatever it may be, you know, we know where the weakness is, and we have our answers built in because we're playing this coverage a good percentage of the time. Instead of yeah. playing seven, eight, nine different coverages, you know, because then your own
0: players can, can make mistakes. If we took out on Buffalo, with because they rotate their defensive line so well. We're taking Ed Oliver. I'm going to make you a- answer one of the lowbrow questions, Greg, or the barroom question. This is a Buffalo barroom question okay. specifically. If we take Ed Oliver out of the equation, and Vaughn Miller's not back yet, so he's not in the equation yet, who's their best pass rusher? Well, this week it was Daquan Jones who had the game of his life. Number yeah.
1: 92 was just yeah. such a force inside. It seemed like he was dominating the, their interior O-line on, on – Many, many snaps. Um, but who would be their best pass rusher? I would you'd have to probably say it's it's Greg Rousseau.
0: Yeah, I thought, you know, Leonard Floyd to me looks better than he did. I didn't yeah, think he was what? good at all last year. He looks rejuvenated this year for them. Yes.
1: And and they've got a ton of length with Rousseau and Floyd. Those are long athletic guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I also, not that I mean, we're probably, we'll probably get out of here because we're way down. I'm about to bring up the backup defensive tackles now. But to me, even like their depth, like Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle are guys that would be quality starters on half the defenses in the league. Quality Puna Ford was a quality starter. Right, right, right. You know, like the depth of their defensive line, the idea that they might get Von Miller and if he's close to himself, you know, that's they are so potent up front.
1: Well, this, last week, the Dolphins were the best team in the history of Western civilization. This week, the Bills are the West, best team in the history of Western civilization.
0: Yeah. that's it. You know what? Let's end on that. I love it. Great, great point, Greg. Hit that subscribe button. Join us next week. Behind the Screen Podcast for Greg Cosell, Andy Benoit. Thank you for listening.